Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Cuomo. This is a special double hour of primetime. There is a ton of news. The big headline is the biggest story in coronavirus since it started in terms of moves to fight it. The governor of California tonight is now making his state the first state in the union to issue a stay at home order for everyone in the state. That's 40 plus million people. The governor, of course, is Gavin Newsom. And he says, look, this isn't about us losing. This is how we win the war by buying time to slow the spread and build capacity to treat the worst cases. Remember, Four out of every five cases so far, someone got this from someone else who didn't know they had it. We're going to get into that. But first, Erica Hill is tracking some of the other fast-moving developments tonight. An alarming prediction from California Governor Gavin Newsom. More than half of his state, 25.5 million people, will be infected with the virus over an eight-week period. He's calling on the president in a letter to station the Navy's Mercy Hospital ship in L.A. to alleviate the stress on the area's health care system. Meantime, the nation's largest city offering its own stark warning. We are two weeks or three weeks away from running out. The only way those supplies can be provided in time is through the full mobilization of the United States military. At this point, there's never been a greater no-brainer in the history of the republic. Just weeks away from running out of crucial medical supplies. Urgently needed, 3 million N95 masks, 50 million surgical masks, 15,000 ventilators, and much more. In Florida, as people continue to flock to the beach, the governor says spring break is over. His predecessor going a step further. Take some personal responsibility here. Don't infect other people. Don't take a chance that you're going to be the one that's going to cause your grandparent or your parents or another friend from school uh, to get sick. In Miami-Dade County, all beaches and parks now closed. In Clearwater, they're scheduled to close for two weeks starting Friday. But Governor DeSantis says he does not plan to order a statewide closure. Three new confirmed cases in the NBA tonight. The Celtics' Marcus Smart tweeting he's tested positive. I can't stress enough of practicing social distancing. And two L.A. Lakers who are now in quarantine. As we continue to learn about more positive cases, we can't stress enough. This is going to happen as we do more testing. But another thing that stood out from New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio today, he said each one of these cases, speaking specifically about New Yorkers, is a person. And it's important to look at them as more than just a number, but as members of someone's family, maybe your own, members of the community, and a reminder that we are all in this together and we all need to take care of one another, even if that means staying inside, as we're seeing across the country. Chris? You know, we can stay to ourselves. Doesn't mean we're going to be alone. Thank you very much, Erica Hill. Back now to the brand new story. The stay at home order for the entire state of California. One in every eight Americans lives in California. Will it work? 
How long does it go? I want to bring in CNN medical analyst Arthur Kaplan, a professor of bioethics at the NYU School of Medicine. It's good to have you, Professor. Hey, Chris. So what do you make of it? Well, you know, I think basically everyone should be on this order. Um, The disease has spread widely. Uh, I think, you know, while we are seeing people getting monitored for testing, it's pretty fair to assume that a pretty good chunk of Americans have are carrying the virus and that they could, many of them, infect others. So I support what the governor did, but I think it's what the rest of us are going to have to do either voluntarily or as other state officials begin to order it. Uh, I want to take a jump ahead because uh, as a bioethicist, I think people don't appreciate the fear factor here. If you don't flatten the curve, if, because we all know the cases, the numbers we're getting now, we're knowing they're for Gazy, right? Because they're not really testing. So whatever they're telling us the number is, it's probably something much more than that. At best, we have a sense it's going up a lot, which should come as no surprise. If we don't do these types of things, won't there come a day as a bioethicist that we have the leaders in this country having to decide how many people they'll let die because they have to get the economy restarted? Isn't that inevitable? I hate hate to scare people into staying inside, getting off the beach, don't go camping, don't have uh, parties uh, where your kids bring their friends over. But we've got to really do the right thing here or... We're going to have a surge of people going into the hospital and overwhelm it. Um, All that flatten the curve means is, Chris, spread out the demand for medical care from the sick. So the more spread out it is over weeks and months, as opposed to all hitting, say, in three days in New York City, for example, um, we don't have the resources. We don't have the beds. We don't have the surplus. I was looking at the bed numbers in Connecticut here. There's roughly 9,000 in the state of Connecticut hospital beds. Uh, If we had 100,000 people who were infected and, I don't know, 15,000 got sick, that's short on beds. But guess what? 60% of the beds are occupied right now. So you're going to overwhelm the system and you're going to overwhelm something else. You're going to overwhelm the manpower. Some of the docs and nurses and techs are going to get sick as this thing unrolls. We're going to be scrambling to cover uh, as best we can, you know, alternate health care providers. And uh, you can't you can have a bed if you don't have anybody to staff it. It doesn't do anybody much good. Absolutely. So, again, the point is cut the demand, beat back that demand. But also, look, you know, the job uh, for me is to give people information and to give them some perspective. And one of the concerns, one of the things I'm policing, I don't want to get into uh, politics. I don't want to play that game right now because there's something that's arguably existential. But I want your take on something. I want to play back to back sound from the president and then Dr. Anthony Fauci, who could make a good case. He's the most trusted man in America right now. Mm -hmm. And I want you to take a look at the different messages and assess the impact. Here's the sound. A drug called chloroquine, and some people would add to it hydroxy, hydroxychloroquine. So chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. Now, this is a common malaria drug. We're going to be able to make that drug available almost immediately. And that's where the FDA has been so great. They, uh, they've gone through the approval process. It's been approved. 
and they did it. They took it down from many, many months to uh, immediate. So we're going to be able to make that drug available by prescription or states. Let's make sure people understand what it is. Today, there are no proven safe and effective therapies for the coronavirus. That doesn't mean that we're not going to do everything we can to make things that have even a hint, but there's no magic drug out there right now. Now, look, we all know that I could defend what the president said 10 different ways. People do it all the time. This is what he meant. This is what he said. He's trying to. It's not my point. As a bioethicist, people are desperate to figure a way out of a situation they have never seen in their lives, certainly not firsthand. And I am paralyzed with fear when it comes to mixed messaging. And the idea that it's been approved, it sounds like we're about to have something to help us. Then you have Anthony Fauci, who has to spend time and currency saying there is no such thing. What does that kind of dynamic do? Well, Chris, you know, ideology never defeated a virus. And the president, I think, is, you know, moving from an ideological position. He wants to hold out hope. He wants people to calm down. He wants the markets to stabilize. He wants you and me not to be afraid. But you can't hold out hope of a cure when there is one. By the way, the FDA did nothing for the drug he was talking about. It already is approved. It's been around since 1934. Right. There's little indication that it might be useful uh, against certain viruses. We don't know if it works against this particular nasty virus or not. If you offer false hope, here's what happens. The guy who's in the bed, his family's coming around saying he's been on the ventilator two days. Is he going to get better? I heard the president say, there's a treatment that's going to be here right away. I heard I was infected, says an NBA player. Can I take this and protect my family? You can't have false hope circulating at the same time as this virus is circulating. It, it, it's, it's not fair. It's not right to the American people. And pretty soon, you know what they do? They stop listening That's the concern. to uh, the leadership. That's the concern. Professor Arthur Kaplan, thank you for being reasonable uh, and being righteous in terms of people needing to lock in now to give us the best chance of making it to the other side of this together. Thank you very much. I'll speak Thanks, to you guys. soon. Stay healthy. God bless. It's not about playing gotcha. It's about making sure that we get you the right information and we don't play with emotions and politics right now. This matters too much. You want to know how much? This almost took me to my knees, this next family that you're going to meet. I have never heard anything like it. One family, four of their relatives, including their matriarch, killed by this virus. And it's not over. Their loved ones are coming on the program tonight. Because there's so many other of them who are in dire need and they can't get information on their status. You have to hear it. It is hard, but it's so important. Next. Grace Fusco, 73, pictured here, matriarch of a large New Jersey Italian family. She died Wednesday. Horrible. But before her death, two of her older children passed away. And now another has followed, four gone from coronavirus, several more in the hospital, nearly 20 other relatives in quarantine. Can you imagine? I spoke to two of those family members, Roseanne Paradiso Fodera and Elizabeth Fusco. All right, look, uh, first, 
things first here. Uh, I have to tell you, Elizabeth and Roseanne, uh, this is an interview I really wish I never had to do. Uh, your family, everything I hear about it, reminds me so much of my own. And to see one family hit this way by something uh, like this is really, truly heartbreaking. Please accept my condolences. I am so, so sorry uh, for your loss and Roseanne, your loss as well, and the entire family. Please relay that. Now, Roseanne, you've been trying to hold it together for the family and talking to people. Uh, first, what is this like for you? I know you're an attorney, and sometimes people say that, like, you're an attorney, like, that means you have some kind of cape you can put on and not feel everything that's going on. How are you doing? How's the family doing? Well, our family is very saddened for all of the Fuscos. No one ever expected a family of 11 children to be decimated like this. So it's, it's a surreal environment on an emotional level. I'm trying to just be um, the family attorney I've always tried to be for all of them. In terms of what the family's dealing with, you've lost uh, four such important members of the family already in the matriarch. And um, you still have a lot of people in harm's way, as I understand it. What's the current situation? They certainly do. They have two people, two siblings. Elizabeth has two siblings in grave condition uh, on life support at the same hospital that her mother and her brother and brothers was at. Um, she has an additional sister that is in stable condition, so we're thankful for that. Uh, we, have, we have a long way to go. Our biggest concern for the family right now is there are 19 family members that were tested last Saturday that do not have results. I mean, the bigger concern, as Roseanne said, with these tests, it's not that we just want results to ease our mind, but we have a sister on life support who doesn't know. The doctors don't know if she's positive. And how do they treat someone if they're not have test results? Elizabeth, I don't care about whether or not the, the shot, you know, your face is clear or not clear. It's your heart uh, that I want people to know and your voice uh, about what this means to have this much loss uh, during this time. It, it is absolutely surreal. I woke up Tuesday morning, the baby of 11. My mom called me and said, Lizzie, I don't feel good. Rita don't feel good. Tony don't feel good. Can you come? Can you come help us? I said, absolutely, Ma. I got there and my sister Maria said, Elizabeth, you got to go walk the horses. Maria would literally lay on a ground for those horses. So for her to tell me to walk a horse, I knew something was wrong. To know that two of those women I sat with on Tuesday and, and nourished and promised everything's going to be okay to is gone. They were the root of our lives. That was my mother and my oldest sister. They, they were everything like. It, it's surreal to think like who's going it, to. It's insane that my two oldest brothers, like they were the core of our family since my dad's been gone. They have held us together like no other. And it's like the second we 
start to grieve about one, the phone rings and there is another person gone, taken from us forever. It's not like it was one. By the time we got over my first sister, not over, we, it settled in our brains. We got the next call. I listened to those doctors and those machines code my mother on the phone when she passed last night. I'll never get over that, but I never want to hear that again. That's why we're just begging for help. We never want to get that call anytime soon ever again because of this. We're lost. We, we lost. It's impossible. And I can't, I want to go get my two sisters and my brother that's left there and be like, we're going to be okay. But I don't know that that's true because we, we have no answers. Elizabeth, I can't imagine the strength that it takes uh, for you and for Roseanne to come forward and talk about this at this time with this kind of loss on your heart. I, I, I don't know how you do it. I don't think I'd be able to do it. But God bless you for wanting to express the urgency. I promise you, uh, as soon as we finish this, I'm going to make phone calls to the state. I know it's late. Uh, we'll just keep making them and try to find out what's going on so your family can get some answers. And just know uh, that, you know, family is family, but family is going to take on a new feel in this country because everybody is afraid of the same things and everybody's suffering the same things. And you can't replace what was lost. But I promise you, you will not be alone uh, in this. And I thank you so much for taking the opportunity, especially at this time, to talk to me about it. And Roseanne, I'll stay in touch with you uh, as counsel for the family, and I'll let you know what's happening. And I can't appreciate it enough that you're doing it. I just, I wish there was more I could say. We really, we really need cooperation with Quest. My last phone call tonight was at 7.30, my last email. Uh, we have had Senator uh, Chris Smith has been wonderful um, in his office well, I'll check in. I'll check time. in with I'm him so that we don't uh, so we don't duplicate work. But I promise you, um, you. the family deserves the information. Uh, it's a it's a special situation, but it's a special situation in a way uh, that actually is going to benefit that community. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, God bless and please send my best to the family. Uh, as we say in Italian, I wish you uh, good luck going forward. We have an expression uh, in Boca del Lupo, in the mouth of the wolf. Uh, it sounds scary to other people, but to Italians, it's a source of comfort. And please let me know if there's anything I can do. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, it's just, I know you feel the same way I do. Um, you know, maybe seeing that makes you remember why we got to do everything we can. God forbid some other family has to suffer something like that. And I promise you, we're making calls to the New Jersey officials about their tests. We will stay on it. The question is, the need is great in a lot of different ways. What do we do about that? We have a top White House official next. The president's message to desperate health care workers... Not exactly, we've got your back. First of all, the governors are supposed to be doing a lot of this work, and they are doing a lot of this work. The federal government's not supposed to be out there buying vast amounts of items and then shipping. You know, we're not a shipping clerk. Yeah, they are. 
that's what the power that he invoked today is about speeding up manufacturing, getting more things. There are people in the administration who are working like crazy to get supply chain movements going, especially when they've been getting a late start. One of the people on the front line is the House Trade Advisor, White House, Peter Navarro. Peter Navarro, thank you very much. Uh, Really appreciate you taking the time, especially with all the urgency. The governors, governors are coming to you guys. They need help. Uh, Obviously, I'm acutely aware of this because my brother is the governor of New York. He's been working um, hand in hand with the White House. The idea that the governors have to do for themselves, that you guys aren't supply clerks. What is that supposed to mean when the federal government controls the resources and the the Army Corps of Engineers and the heavy assets that states don't have control of? Uh, So this is a, a, a partnership. Chris, it's it's the full force of the federal government working closely with private enterprise, with the cooperation of the American people doing their mitigation measures and with this federal government going out to the grassroots at the local level, the state level and getting done what we need to get done. If I may, I'd I'd just like to tell you a few few of the things I've been doing since Friday, which may give some comfort to the American people and may explain how we're tackling Uh, this problem. So if I go back to Friday, um, I got a call from HHS. Uh, We needed swabs for testing. And because of some travel restrictions in Italy where these things were being made, in real time, I had to help get the Pentagon sent a mill airplane uh, over to Italy to pick uh, 800,000 swabs up and get them on an aircraft. All right. So you made kind of like the case of my concern for me, Peter. Uh, First of all, God bless you and your efforts on the part of the American people. That's why you're there. They should appreciate you doing the job. You've been put in a bad position, though, uh, because most of that stuff should have been done months ago and we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in right now. So what was the lesson learned that is creating this urgency? You're able to get all this stuff done now. A phone call there, phone call there. Trump time. But it took months to get here when we had warning about this. Where well, was Trump I, time then? There's a, there's a couple of things going on here. And, and I think uh, once this is over and they, we will get through this, uh, and I think it's going to make this nation stronger than it's ever been. But uh, one of my charges here at the White House, White House has been to bring our production back on shore, whether it's machine tools, electronics, steel, aluminum. We're learning a very harsh lesson in this particular crisis because you not only lose jobs if you don't have that production here, you can lose lives. And so um, 10, uh, there's there's 20 countries that provide us $120 billion a year worth of pharmaceutical imports into this country. Fully 10 of them have already imposed some forms of export restrictions. So the bigger lesson I'm learning here, Chris, Mm -hmm is that we need to have our supply chains, our essential medicines, our medical equipment, basically yeah. onshore and to pr- produce it here. I, I don't, so, dis- I don't and, disagree and I, with that, the, but Peter, the one assumption, is this. The one, hang on, the one assumption yeah, that you're making 
is yeah. that, that we haven't been doing anything until last week is, is, is simply false. I've been working on these problems for six weeks now, trying to get things in line in case there were yeah, crisis. And there's a lot of other people in the government who've been doing that Peter, as well. So I, uh, look, I hear you. I hear you, Peter. But both things can't be true at the same time. You don't get all this stuff well, done in a week that shows, you know, you can move mountains and you haven't been able to do anything weeks preceding. I'm not I'm not. Well, I can you. go back and talk about the I know, but I'm saying stuff we've we been did. in a situation with testing and swabs and masks yeah. for weeks. And look, but, again, I respect what you're doing right now, and I appreciate it. I'm sure the American people will as well when they hear it. But there was definitely a delay problem. And now you want to put into the code you can only buy and source from America. You just told me you have to fly to Italy to get the swabs. You can't Understood. limit it to just American manufacturing well, right now. Here's, here's, You're going to kill us on timing. And, and, of course, we're not doing that. We're going to get wherever we need, whenever we need it, uh, from whatever source. But then and that, why that's require really that they but buy from the, the USA, Pete? We, we haven't required that yet, Okay. That's the point. Uh, you talk if you if you're talking about uh, an executive order that we're right. working on. Nothing, Chris. Here, hear this clearly. Nothing in that order applies to this crisis during COVID-19. Okay, what we're trying to do is put into place a set of incentives so that we will invest here. And there's a couple of things. Another part of that, Chris, which is so interesting to me, uh, the whole the whole thing with, with with President Trump has been buy American deregulate and innovate. And this innovation piece is so important. We have this, this thing called advanced manufacturing. It's things like 3D mm -hmm. printing, continuous manufacturing. It offers us the chance to actually leapfrog the competition to be able to produce our pharmaceuticals cheaper than the rest of the world and actually have them here and make them profitably. Good. And so part of what we're doing now, I'm trying to flip a switch on an advanced manufacturing facility uh, within the next 45 days as we work through this. So um, I, I would appreciate it as, as you cover this. Sure, criticize it, 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 it as you will, but I, I think a lot of the energy needs to focus now on what we need to do day to day for the American people. No question. And criticize us at the end of this, and that'll be fair game because there's an no election question, come but, up. But now, but Peter, it's all fair game. It's, it's all yeah, fair game sure. because I'll tell you what, I just got off the phone uh, with a family that's lost four of their family members. They are literally decimated by the virus. They can't get test results. And one of the reasons they can't get test results is because we were so woefully behind on testing when we had time to prepare and didn't get it. If you don't learn the lessons of the past, you're doomed to repeat them. I am very happy to have the audience tonight understand what you're sure. doing in real time to get it done. But to forget and the I past that the created time. the exigencies of the, of the present would be reckless. And well, I just want to make sure moving, we're all on the same page. We're on the same page now, Chris. Full force of the government, private enterprise. And it's really important that the American people are rising to this occasion uh, by, simply by staying home uh, and doing their social distancing. To the extent that we can flatten that curve, uh, we won't face the kind of vulnerabilities in terms of treatment. So, I, you know, my message tonight, uh, Chris, really is that uh, we are doing everything we can now and, and we will continue to do that. And it, it really makes me proud of this country to see uh, government, business and the American people join together in this. And I would prefer an uplifting message here and just 
stay on mission and on task. I'm a soldier out there, Chris. I, you know, it's like all I'm concerned about tomorrow is to make sure we get what we can get tomorrow for the next day. And I I'll totally keep pushing get it. And pushing and pushing. I get what that. you're doing, but you're not a one man army. And that's why I, asked uh, so, you no, about, I got I the whole agency the of government and businesses. Here. Right. But I'm just saying and when the when the governors are, are told when the governors yeah. are told you're you're on your own, we're not a supply clerk. They can't let, build let me, these hospitals and build out this capacity without you guys. Yeah. And you know so, it. I don't know why they're not doing it let, already. Let me just say, Chris, that that those are the those are the big issues that are above my pay grade for the task force and other folks. What I can do when I come on the show is I can tell you, look at the other end of the telescope and tell you what's actually happening, boots on the ground to help the American people get through this crisis. I appreciate it, Peter Navarro. I don't want to keep you from the work. Thank you for doing everything that you can. The need couldn't stay safe, my friend. Keep your family safe. We will. You do the same. We need you at your best. Thank you, sir. All right. So look, here's the good news. Uh, They're on it now. Uh, And we see Congress on it now. A one trillion dollar coronavirus relief plan is taking shape on Capitol Hill. Of course, there's politics. Of course, there's protest. CNN powerhouse Dana Bash just wrapped up an exclusive interview with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. When would that money get to you? That's the question. That's next. Big problem requires a big solution. Senate Republicans unveiled a $1 trillion stimulus package to deliver desperately needed aid to you. Our own Dana Bash sat down with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell for an exclusive interview, which happened before Pelosi and Schumer warned the bill could be a no-go. Leader McConnell, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I appreciate it. The latest coronavirus bill that you unveiled today would, among other things, provide direct payments of up to $1,200 to those earning up to $75,000 a year. Why did you decide on direct payments as opposed to sending that to businesses to use for their employees so they could stay open and maintain payroll? We're doing both. Uh, We're going to both provide direct assistance to individuals and to small businesses uh, so they can stay open. I mean, this is a government-imposed shutdown, if you will, uh, to deal with this uh, pandemic. And so the idea is to act quickly, to send cash directly to both individuals and to small businesses. Our understanding is that there was a healthy debate inside your conference about whether or not to actually go forward with those direct payments. Where do you stand? Do you think this is a good idea, or is this mostly because it's a White House proposal? I don't know what you heard, but the, 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 the widespread goal among all of us, both the White House and Senate Republicans, is to get cash directly into the hands of the American people and small businesses mm-hmm. as rapidly as possible. And, Dana, so let me switch to the rapid part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to Senator Schumer this afternoon. We're going to be meeting tomorrow, not Schumer and myself, but a broader group of both Democrats and Republicans who've been involved on our side in crafting our proposal and on his side in crafting what they're likely to ask. And the goal here is to stay in session. No one has been given permission to leave. We're all here. We're going to stay at this until we can get a bill out of the Senate in the next few days on a broad bipartisan basis and send it over to the House of Representatives. The obvious question is, why did you insist on 
only starting the negotiations that you've been having over the past couple of days with Republicans and the White House, obviously all Republican, instead of making it bipartisan. And I ask you that not as a process question. It's not a process question. It's because of the times we're in right now. Uh, and the question is whether or not that is slowing down the process at a time when Americans need action right now. Actually, speeding it up. We just passed yesterday a bill. It was written in the Democratic House of Representatives. The Republicans are in the majority in the Senate. We wanted to put forward our proposal. We feel like we have an obligation to do that as a majority. And the Democrats, of course, need to be given an opportunity to react to it. And that all begins tomorrow. So don't create controversy where there isn't controversy. Well, no, it's not about controversy. It's just this is about Americans saying we need help and we need help now. I mean, yeah, I know. And this is the quickest way to get it done. Trust me, this is the quickest way to get it done. Exactly the way we're doing it. Let's talk about now. Hospitals and medical professionals, I know you're seeing it, you're hearing it, you're probably getting calls uh, from people back home in Kentucky begging for the government to help for personal protective equipment. The CDC even recommended today bandanas or scarves as a last resort. How could this happen in a country like this? (laughs) Look, we're, we're moving rapidly on all fronts to try to deal with the shortages where they exist. And uh, the private sector across the board has been cooperating as well. Um, This is a a pandemic that we've never had before. This is a totally new experience. So there isn't a precedent you can look to. But we're moving as rapidly as we can to try to deal with all these shortcomings and to, um, to get help to the American people. That's why we're here. And we're trying to operate on a bipartisan basis to do that. And I think we'll succeed. I want you to put this in context. You were there on 9-11. I was, too. I watched you. You were there during the financial meltdown in 2008. How does this compare to those events in terms of danger to Americans and also the congressional response required of you? It's different in the sense that the, the, the shutdown, if you will, is being done by the government itself at, at both the federal, state and local level. And we're doing that in order to protect the health of the American people. In effect, as a result of government directives, which emanate from the CDC and others who understand these kinds of pandemics, we are in effect shutting the economy down. Uh, We have to because of the public health crisis. So that's very different from uh, the 2008 financial Mm -hmm. crisis uh, or the 9-11 when we were hit by terrorists. It's a very different thing. And the key to this, clearly, is to get past this, to bend the curve, as Dr. Fauci continues to tell us. And that requires this kind of isolation that shuts down the economy. So it's our job to step in and help people through what we hope will be a short-term shutdown of our economy. Uh, I know you know that Senators Dick Durbin on the Democratic side, Rob Portman on the Republican side, both spoke on the Senate floor today about bipartisan legislation that they have for senators to vote remotely. What's wrong with that? Well, I agree with Speaker Pelosi. We don't uh, think going to remote voting is a good idea for the House or the Senate. Uh, We're dealing with it. We're, We're having longer roll call votes. We're uh, establishing social, social distancing, just like everyone else. Uh, we can work around this without uh, dramatically changing the way the Senate's operated for over 200 years. Uh, well, that was going to be my question. Why? I mean, what is the main reason why you're so opposed to it? Uh, I think I just told you. 
just at the institution? You don't want to change the institution right now? No, not over something can be dealt with without changing the rules. We are dealing with it quite successfully without changing the rules. All right, our thanks to Dana Bash for that interview with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. We're going to be right back with what we learned tonight and a picture that is certainly worth a thousand words. We learned a lot tonight, but only one lesson really matters. You have to stay away from other people as much as you can. Doesn't mean you have to be alone. Families will be together. You can FaceTime and video chat. Technology makes it easy, and you know it. And if you don't do that, you are telling people like the Fuscos that you met tonight that you don't care that they lost four of their family already, including their mother. This isn't a guilt trip. It's the truth, and you know it. Why do you think a governor like Cal- of a state like California, 40-plus million, would tell everyone to stay home? One in every eight Americans lives there. Why would he do that? Because it's all we've got against the virus. Shelter in place, curfew, self-isolation, whatever you want to call it. It's not proof that we're losing. It is the best way to win. And you know what gets me is you get it here. Less contact, less spreading, less strain on the system, better chance to treat the worst cases. We've told you again and again, four out of five cases are transmitted by people who didn't know they had the virus. And by the way, my young and strong brothers and sisters, 40% of the cases are you. Stay home. And to our leaders, we learned you got to stay true. Don't promise us false hope. Don't tell us there are solutions when there aren't. We are the solution, but we can also be the cause of more pain. That goes for the president, too. Take a look at his briefing notes. Okay, look what he did. They didn't touch anything on the page that I'm sure somebody else wrote, except to change Corona in virus to Chinese. His job is to reassure us, okay, to let us know that we'll get through this. The word coronavirus crossed out and changed to Chinese. Who does that help? We don't need an enemy. We have one, the virus. Trump doesn't need to slide blame. We know how we got here. This isn't about China. It's about us. We are the solution. We must be together. Thank you for watching. Stay tuned. The news continues on CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.